My heart skips skipping the beat. You're not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music, girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. What's up, everybody? It's the APC Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Packers talk all the time here at SB Nation, acmepackingcompany.com. Not only is it draft season, it is draft eve. It is Wednesday, April 25th. The draft starts tomorrow. I promise, dear listeners, that we're going to get into some stuff that's going to be relevant for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So if you're listening, um, then don't scrap this episode yet because we have a lot a lot to get to. It's Brian Gutekunst first first bite at the apple here in the big chair, uh, piloting the piloting the show as the new general manager of the Green Bay Packers, and uh, we've got a lot to get into. So this is Zach Rapport, your humble producer, piloting the show as ably as I can uh, in the uh, in the in the absence of Alex Patakis, hashtag free Alex, who we promise is not dead, is still alive, and does want to be on the show eventually. I'm joined via electronic magic in an isolation booth in downtown Manhattan. It's Ben Foldy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm hot. This ISO booth is hot. Kind of hot in these ISO booths, huh? Yeah. And I can't <laughs> take my shirt off because I'm at school. Is there, a, is there a window there? Are you secluded? Yeah, there's a window into the ISO booth. Gotcha. So people can just sort of see you sweating. From the back. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm wearing black, so they can't tell. All right, all right, all right. Also joined by our fearless leader, our corporate overlord, Evan Tex Western, the managing editor of AcmePackingCompany.com. He wanted to get on the air and get some final draft thoughts off, and who are we? Who are we to deny the man? Evan, how are you? Hanging in there, suffering from uh, a little bit of hangover from a, a tough playoff hockey loss this past week, but. Um, Glad I've got the draft to pick me up a little bit. And uh, for the listeners, who, who's your who's your team? I am a uh, well. I grew up a Red Wings fan, but living in Columbus and becoming a, a Columbus Blue Jackets season ticket holder, um, and with the Red Wings being bad this year, it's it's very easy to uh, make my make my pick and and throw all my support behind the Blue Jackets, who were rather uh, unceremoniously ousted in <laughs> six by the Washington Capitals as of Monday night. So. My voice is shot from yelling at three home games in eight days, and uh, hopefully it's uh, not too bad, and we can uh, we can get through an hour or so or of, uh, of draft talk here. And you get to just go right out of hockey playoffs into NFL draft. Like that's a pretty good one too. Yeah, there's worse ways to go. Yeah, spring has sprung, and it's all about uh, new new life and new beginnings here. Um, speaking of new beginnings, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it is Brian Gutekunst's. Uh, First, first try here uh, at the the NFL draft starting tomorrow, and um, I wanted to start the top of the show here with uh, a report that just came out from Ian Rappaport literally minutes ago, um, tweeting out the new Packers uh, may be on display Thursday night. They are among the teams plotting a potential trade up from number fourteen for a top tier talent. Sources say. It would be their first opening round move since Clay Matthews in 2009. And uh, Tex, I know, you know um, that you spearheaded the mock draft for AcmePackingCompany.com, and I believe your pick was a trade, was it not? Yeah, it was in uh, it was in our walkthroughs this afternoon uh, that just got posted today. But we we threw out uh, ideas for for what we all thought was going to happen with that 14th pick and. Uh, I, I am very much on board with thinking that the Packers are moving up for a defensive back. I think it's going to be, I think Denzel Ward's probably the top guy on their board. Um, I'd be okay if it's uh, either Derwin James or Micah Fitzpatrick. I think it goes, my, my suspicion is it goes in that order, Ward, James, Fitzpatrick um, on their board. And I think that's how I would prefer to have it as well. Um, 
but yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, the, the, the number of picks that the Packers have on day three, especially, um, you could sacrifice a third round pick to move up a couple of spots and then get back into that third round again, um, by leveraging some of those extra comp picks that they've got in, you know, rounds four or five, six. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, 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 it does seem that with, um, like Jake said the other day that, you know, if the Packers come away from this draft with all those picks, it's a bad draft, right? Like they've, they've got so much ammunition and they've got more ammunition than they do roster spots. Like, and you know, if they do the, if they do what they did last year and waste a couple spots on receivers who they know in all likelihood will not make the roster, I will be upset. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I see a lot of guys with athletic traits that the Packers look for kind of in that round six, seven, even early free agency mold. But, yeah, get go up and get those guys in rounds three, rounds four, you know, even move up in round five if you have to. Or get them as free agents. Like, there's there's going to be – it's yeah. such a weird draft in terms of <laughs> the distribution of talent this year that um, – you know, I, I think I think the top ten is like really clear, not including quarterbacks, and then everything after that is kind of a muddled mess. Um, and then there's like a lot of value around three and four, um, but it's it's you know the if if you were churning it out as like kind of like the continental shelf moving away from like a beach, you know, there'd be like a you have a beach for a while, and then you have like a steep drop, and then you have a shelf, and then you have a steep drop, and so uh, it's it's a weird it's a weird year honestly that the top tier is kind of abstract in my mind especially at skill positions or at least at wide receiver. Yeah, wide receiver is going to be a really interesting position too. I'm I'm really curious to see what the Packers end up doing because I'm I'm firmly of the belief that they end up coming away with a receiver on day 2 um mm-hmm. or at least either a receiver or a tight end you know somebody um, to, to give Rodgers another receiving weapon. And I think there's a ton of those guys in that second, third round, fourth round um, that could be fits. Um, you know, we got a couple of guys that, that didn't do all the testing, so we're, we're kind of speculating that they might be, be good fits. But even, you know, into, like I said, into round three and four, there's just a ton of guys that fit the, the type of mold that the Packers have tended to look for um, in this year's receiver class. And, you know, pointing back to the the draft board that we set up a couple of days ago. I mean, I think we had, I think I had 30 or 29 receivers between, um, you know, first round and into early, the early part of free agency, as far as rankings go, that, that could be potential fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, so I, I think that's a good jumping off point uh, to get into tax, your sort of draft board projection series that you've been doing at Acme packing company.com and, and listeners, we encourage you to, to go check that out. Uh, for wide receivers specifically, I was under the impression that this was sort of a really murky group where, where you know, the most people weren't sure where to rank, how to rank these these players, and yet I came away from your piece text with the understanding that there were well over twenty that were you know quote worthy of of consideration. So I guess for a more more pointed question on the wide receivers, we actually had um, a Twitter question come in from Joe at work. Um, asking asking us, and I'll pose this to you, Tex, to rank these wide receivers in terms of best fit for Green Bay. And he targets Anthony Miller, James Washington, and Michael Gallup. Yeah, as far as I go, the way I look at it, I actually think it's it's pretty well in that order. Um, I think Miller would be the, the best fit. He's the kind of guy who you can play him in that slot right away, um, but he's also got the ability and the, the intelligence to, to move outside, um, you know, and, and play as a boundary receiver, kind of be that, that outside inside guy that, that Cobb doesn't seem to necessarily be able to do is, you know, being limited to the slot. Um, he, he's a real intelligent guy. He's a, you know, he's, he's, he tested great. He's very well, you know, right in the, in line with what the Packers look for, uh, for the most part. You know, he's, he's just a little, a little bit shorter, um, sitting at five eleven, but I don't think that's a problem. And, and I like his game a lot. I would go to Washington next and then Gallup, um, because Washington is more of his, his body type is a lot like Ty Montgomery, but he doesn't play like Ty Montgomery at all. He plays like a lot more of a deep threat, um, makes a lot of, um, kind of contested catches deep and, um, you know, he's got some breakaway speed. And the, the only reason I, I, hesitate on Gallup is a lot of the 
feedback that I've been seeing on him suggests that um, he, he's not necessarily capable of playing all the receiver positions. And that seems to be something that Packers have always liked their receivers to be able to do, you know, play flanker, play split end, you know, so play back off the line of scrimmage, play, play on the line of scrimmage, play in the slot as well. And, and there's a lot of the feedback I've been seeing on him is just questions about his ability to do that. And that would be the only reason why I would drop him down below the other two guys. Yeah, Ben, do you have a take on those three players? Anthony Miller, James Washington, Michael Gallup? I mean, I think for me, at 40, I, let's say we're at 45. Miller's the only player I take there at 45, I think. Um, I'd agree with that, yeah. The other, and, and I could I could really easily go Miller, Chark. I mean, if DJ Moore's at 45 and they don't take him, I'm going to be really upset, as anybody who follows <laughs> me on Twitter probably knows. Um but, uh, you know, the other two guys, do I think that they're that much better of a value than what you might get around later um, in somebody like Equinemius St. Brown or Dante Pettis? Um, not enough for me to, to be champing in the bit at 45. Um, and I do also agree that Washington is, for me, um, a, a better sell than Michael Gallup. Um, but, I mean, this is it's such a weird draft because... You know, I could just as easily see the Packers being really happy taking Deshaun Hamilton in the fourth, you know. Um, there's really, you know, there's a couple names at, at wide receiver that I'd be really happy with at 45, namely DJ Moore, uh, Cortland Sutton. Yep. Miller's Miller I'd be pretty happy with. I wouldn't be as quite as, like, ex, you know, ecstatic as I would be with DJ Moore. Um and I'm not sure if Miller at 45 is enough of a value to if him and Dallas Gatert are both on the board at 45, I don't know which one I take. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with the ranking Miller, Miller, Washington Gallup in that order. Um, and Miller, Miller really does seem like a Packers kind of pick um, in a lot of ways, like not just the kind of, uh, I don't know if any, if, if how, how much of my Twitter feed everybody else sees, but you know, when you see his numbers next to um, Greg Jennings, they look basically identical. And uh, yeah, so I wouldn't be shocked. Anthony Miller has like the production profile and the physical profile of, of a decent Ted Thompson round two selection. And to me that, you know, he's the guy at 45 if they want to go wide receiver. Yeah. I'll be interested to see um, if, if, if Goot keeps with the the tradition of the second round wide receiver, but let's uh, continue with skill positions and move over to running back. Uh, Cause Tex, you also posted draft board projections for the running backs. And it's a position that we've talked about a couple of times here in our, in our pre-draft content, because I know Ben Foldy, you are stumping for running back being more important than I think a lot of people, a lot of Packer fans uh, think it should be this off season and, and Tex, I want to start with you because I, I feel like your takeaway from, uh, from your projections is that there's not a lot of running backs in this draft that actually fit the Packers mold. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's very much accurate. Um, and the few that do are guys, you know, probably in rounds one or two, the, the top guys in this class, the Saquon Barkley's, the Sony Michelle's, um, the Ronald Jones's, you know, maybe the Nick Chubbs. And, and I don't think you're going to see the Packers go in that, that direction, you know, before day three at this point. And so if you're looking at day three picks, there's only like three or four guys in this class that really um, scream to me, you know, potential Packers picks. But the one that kind of stands out to me more than the rest of them is Royce Freeman from Oregon. Um, he's he's a little bit on the bigger side, so he's about 5'11", 230 or so. Um, he's a good receiving back. Um, and so if they go that, that way early on day three, I think Freeman might be the guy. Um, I know earlier in the in the series, Ben, you had mentioned, I think, Chase Edmonds from Fordham mm -hmm. as, as one of your guys. He's kind of in that in that range too, where um, he's I think he's got he's built very much like Aaron Jones is from a height weight standpoint. He's not as fast. But um, I think he's a little bit of a different style of player. But in terms of his skill set and his size, I think he could fit as well, uh, probably late on day three. But, yeah, there's really only the, only four or five guys once you get past uh, into Saturday that, that really jump out at me as, as being the, the Packers type of running backs. And, and I do agree that you can never have too many backs. Um, 
I, for one, would be in favor of um, getting somebody in, you know, maybe in round five to to supplant maybe a Devontae Mays on the roster and then get Ty Montgomery into more of that kind of hybrid receiver, um, receiver running back, um, slot back type of type of role. I think that would be a good way to go. And then you really lean on Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Um, and then you bring up a rookie behind them to, to kind of supplement them and, and play some special teams. So I think that's, that that's the way I'd like to see them go about it. Um, I don't I just don't know that they will. And I don't know if there's the players out there for them to certainly aren't there for, for a reach, you know, maybe in day two, I don't, I don't think it makes sense that early, but, but on day three, I'd like to see one. Yeah, I think if, if somebody like Nick Chubb or uh, Nick Chubb drops, uh, Rashad Penny, who I actually think might well go ahead of Nick Chubb, um, but if mm-hmm. he drops, um, Royce Freeman is, is a good name on day three if they if they still have that first pick on day three. Um, and then one name that I don't see on your, on your board, but I, I think the Packers could get some value out of later in the draft would be Naheem Hines, but he doesn't really fit their mold in a lot of ways. I mean, he's really short. He's five, mm-hmm. eight, um, but yeah, he's a, he's a light, he's kind of a skinny player too. He's, he's a little bit almost in the Tariq Cohen mold. Um, he's yeah. a little bit bigger than Cohen, but, um, but yeah, that's much. a very different player than, than the Packers have tended to go for. Yeah. But I mean, I, one thing that threw me, I mean, I don't, I don't actually remember how Aaron Jones stacked up physically, um, with the Packers. Um, thresholds i also am not convinced that the thresholds mean as much for them at running back as they do at some other positions um but uh i think i think heinz you know if if you're if you're getting into you know your three fifth round picks and heinz is there or somebody like that i wouldn't be shocked if they go that direction yeah well that brings up one thing too that that i find interesting just about this whole process with gutekunst is is just how closely is he going to stick to the trends that they've established under Thompson? I mean, that's really the big question with, with all of this, you know, especially, you know, receiver um, front seven guys, offensive linemen. I mean, where, where Thompson was so consistent with what he, he seemed to be looking for. Um, it's just going to be really, really interesting to see how closely um, Gutekunst decides to stick to those same levels that, of, uh, of performance and he'll be uh, under Thompson's watchful eye as we find out that Ted Thompson's going to be in the mm-hmm. war room <laughs> so that brings up I mean for me that brings up a question so let's say the Packers trade up um, I think for you that means defensive back um, including safety potentially um, Derwin James doesn't have the three cone time do you know do we think that is it is it kind of a josh jones case where he also doesn't really fit the mold and it's not clear if they think of him as a box player or as a as a kind of a free safety um or you know how do you how do you kind of justify that moving up for derwin james then yeah i i think jones last year he he definitely was an aberration because like he said jones didn't have the three cone time either and the thing with him was he was he was so fast and so big and so explosive that that my suspicion is that they overlooked that aspect because he had all the other qualities that you wanted out of a safety um and i suspect that that james is kind of the same way and the other thing with james too is um he may not have timed well on the cone the cone drill but when when you watch him on film you don't at least I don't see any issues with his lateral agility at all. Yeah. Um, he plays, he plays fast, he plays quick. Um, and you know, who knows, maybe he just had a bad day at pro day or something when he, when he did, did that drill. Um, so I, I, the other thing too, with James is they also brought him in for a visit. So they may have had him run the cone again, see what, you know, and and maybe he ran a, a better time and maybe that's, um, that puts him back in play as, as a target too. So that's, that could be a possibility. So one thing with like the moving up is is, you know, are you convinced that that they'd have to move up to get value for the pick? That's that's a really good question. Um, so if, if they stay at fourteen, do they could they get a player who's who's worthy of that pick? Is that kind yeah? Of what I mean, you're, if you if you yeah. if you you know is is giving up another asset to get Denzel Ward instead of Harold Landry or Josh Jackson? Um, you know, does that does that pay off in the end? I mean, I guess it obviously depends on the asset. Um, right. It's hard to say without knowing what the trade would be. Um, I, you know, I guess I mean, and I'm I don't know if that if if I have 
that feeling because um, I have wrapped my head around 14 as the scenario so long that I'm pretty, I feel pretty okay with what they can get at 14. Um, yeah. And I guess also it all depends on the way the board shakes out, obviously. Um, right. Yeah. The for, for me, the guy that's really worth that move is Denzel Ward. And there, there's, there's a couple things there. Um, I, I look at him a little bit like Marshawn Lattimore from last year for the Saints in terms of the impact that he could have in his first year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, and it's not just because they're both Ohio State guys, and it's, they're, they're, not, they're not really the same type of player. Ward's a little less physical, but he's, mm-hmm. he's definitely quicker um, and, and a little faster than Lattimore. But I, I think he could have a similar day one impact, especially if you put him in the slot and, and kind of make him your day one slot corner. I think that's a role where he could really thrive early on and then then work his way outside from there. Um, I, I think James could also be in that, you know, have that big impact early on, um, especially with with Morgan Burnett moving on. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that Fitzpatrick would have that sort of impact. So I'm, I'm, I'm questionable about that. But for as far as Ward goes, I think he's far enough ahead of all the other cornerbacks in the class to me that that his immediate impact and his long-term projection is worth giving up an asset to, to go get him. Um, I would much rather – I would – I've been on the record. I'm, I'm much more a fan of Ward than I am of Josh Jackson. I don't think Josh Jackson should go before – you know, the mid twenties personally. So I will be pretty upset if, if the Packers end up sticking at 14 and picking Jackson, um, just because I don't think he's going to be worthy of that pick. So for, for me, yeah, I'd say go get Ward. If, if you can, if you can get him within reason, um, I'm not saying go up to five or for five or four to get him, but if he's sitting there at, at seven or eight, yeah, let's, let's make a run. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Yeah, indeed. It'll be super interesting to see what they do with the first pick. But I did promise that uh, we would get into some players that may be available a little bit later in the draft. And I think a good place to start there, Tex, is with uh, your edge draft board projections because my takeaway from that was that it seems like there's some talent at at, at every level of the draft. Um, Could you sort of elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, you you look at, let's say this edge rusher class, for example, um, the, the, the way the Packers have tended to look at their players is, um, or at least the, the, the thresholds that have kind of been devised, um, you know, they're, they're height and waist based speed and agility scores. And there's a lot of these guys in, you know, the late period of free agency that seemed to, or the late period of the draft and early free agency that seemed to fit what they want to do. And they've also had a couple of guys in for visits. So, you know, one of the names that I'm really interested in is Kendall Donerson. He's a, uh, uh, 6'3", 250, uh, pass rusher out of Southeast Missouri state. And apparently he ran a four. 4.44. Um, but there's a couple other names that, that stuck out to me looking through this. There's a Sherry Finch at a temple who, who had a really good workout. Um, Kylie Fitz, I think uh, justice mentioned him uh, in the podcast a little while ago from Utah. He, he just kind of screams Packers fit with, you know, being from Utah, um, you know, his, his size and, and speed profile. So, I mean, you really, 
you can look up and down the board and find guys at just about any position that that fit the Packers trends and what they te- seem to look for, aside from maybe running back like we touched on earlier. Um, you know, DBs, you get a bunch. Receiver is crazy because there's I think I counted, you know, 10 or 12 guys between who, who are rated between like round five and free agents that are in that mold of, you know, the Packers receiver. So the six one, the the four sub four five and, and sub seven cone. Um, and I mean, names in there, you, you look at the list of guys that, again, that they're bringing down for visits. It's Justin Watson out of, out of Pennsylvania. Um, it's a guy, you know, Keith Kirkwood out of temple Marquez Valdez Scantling out of USF. I mean, these, these, a lot of these are not power five programs and, you know, certainly the Packers have had some success with some of these lesser known prospects in the draft, uh, in the late stages over the years. And, um, yeah, there's there's just a number of them kind of all over the boards here this year. Oh yeah, Justin Watson. I remember this kid. <laughs> I look at him and I go, "That's Bill Belichick's guy right there." <laughs> yeah, uh, he's he's that uh, he's that right. He's a little taller, I feel like, than than a lot of the the Patriots the receivers have yeah. tended to be, right? But I mean, he can be a big slot guy at six two, two fifteen. Um, you can play him inside. You can play him outside. I mean, he's he's just kind of he, he is he does sort of seem to fit that mold, right? Yeah, I mean, he's also white. Well, yeah, I guess we're dancing around that question too. <laughs> he just seems like he seems like a Belichick guy. What can I say? Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I I actually wasn't Jaleel Scott's an interesting name to me. I used to be really excited about him, and I kind of I just got less excited about him as the season went on. I think he could be a really big, um, he's massive, you know, he's six foot four and he, and he's fast and he, and he had probably the best catch in college football last year. But I just like, I, you know, it would be really hypocritical of me to, to bitch and moan about production all the time is what I look for in wide receivers. Although I, I mean, and, and, and to go that direction, but I do think, I mean, the other weird thing about the receivers is that I honestly have no idea how they shake out. Like I could easily see Equinemius St. Brown being on the board there in the fourth round. Um, maybe even Dante Pettis. Um, one thing I do think that I want, I want the Packers to be really cognizant of is Trevor Davis um, <laughs> should probably not be on the team moving forward. Not because of the bomb threat, but just because he's like not very good at football. Not because of the um, bomb threat. What'd you say? No, I'm just 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 a funny sentence in relation to whether or not a player should be on a roster or not. Not because of the bomb threat, but dot, yeah, dot, I mean, dot. I could care less about him being like making bad jokes, although it doesn't endear him to me. Um, but you know, there's a lot of ways to really easily upgrade the return game with a mid-round wide receiver pick this season. Um, and I would love for someone like Dante Dante Pettis to be that guy. Uh, I think Derman James actually returned punts too if i'm not hallucinating um anyway he returned punts yeah. and kickoffs there there are some interesting return guys in this draft um you know if if say a mike hughes the corner from ucf falls to mm-hmm. 45 he's got some great return ability i think he had i think he t- took two kicks and a punt back for a score last year um you want to go real late. You could even look at a, a Nick Nelson out of Wisconsin or Mitchell Jamerson, the safety. Um, those guys both have some returnability as well. So yeah, I I'm, I'm with you hundred percent there that um, Davis needs to, to really show signs of significant improvement this summer and in a training camp, if he wants a spot on this roster. And, and I would, I would absolutely be, um, you know, be hundred percent for, for, you know, like you said, Pettis in the third or fourth, um, you get that returnability and, and you essentially make, <laughs> make Davis uh, obsolete in, in on that roster. And also, I mean, and while we're on the topic of uh, just cause you brought up Nick Nelson, I mean, like I'm never happy that somebody gets injured and, you know, cost themselves a couple rounds worth of money, but I, I could easily see the Packers using a fifth of one of their three on Nick Nelson. And I would be very, very pleased uh, that yep. he'd fallen that far. Um, one of the one of the interesting things about Nelson before we move off of him is um, Bob McGinn came out with his top 100 today and he had Nelson in his top 100. Which oh really? Kind of floored me. Yeah, that that really surprised me with with him coming off that meniscus surgery and thankfully the the surgery didn't seem like it was serious too serious and he says he's going to be full go for training camp. But even so, um, 
I, I was I was fully expecting him to be like a midday three pick uh, after you know blowing his knee in Detroit. So to see him, um, you know, talked about is still a, a top one hundred pick is is encouraging for him, and and I'm happy for him. And I'll be I'll be happier if he ends up in Green Bay on day three. But um, you know, fingers crossed for him that he ends up in a good situation. Yeah, I mean, I'd 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 be I've I've tried to start thinking about people in terms of like how how high do they have to be picked for me to not be upset about picking them? And I think for Nick Nelson, I think it's like a mid third onward. I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, and, uh, I mean, one thing too, I, when, when, you know, when this trading up thing came out, I, I started thinking about how excited I would be momentarily, even, you know, in spite of all the positional scarcity stuff, like I would be so excited if they drafted Roquan Smith and I just wanted to put that on the record. For like a couple minutes, and then I'd be like, "That was dumb," <laughs> but I would be very excited. Uh, Tex, in keeping with the the draft board series, as uh, Ben mentions, third round and on and on and on. It sounds like as you broke down projections for defensive line and and linebacker, uh, respectively, that you really viewed that as as sort of day three or UDFA only propositions can you can you walk the listeners through that a little bit sure um yeah as far as defensive line goes um it's mainly just a scarcity of the body types that that the packers tend to look for um in the first two days of the draft you've got um you know you've really only got two or three guys in that that top range that that look good but again you've got a glut of guys in in the fifth sixth seventh that are probably going to be out there um you know one of the names that keeps coming up for me when i'm when i'm doing mock draft projections and things is Bilal nichols out of delaware um six four three oh six um he ran his 40 under five seconds so um, you know, he could be potentially a, a five tech, um, you know, spell Mo Wilkerson a little bit, uh, spell Dean Lowry out on that side. You could even beef him up and, and play him kind of in Kenny Clark's spot as well. Um, couple, couple other names. The, the one who really gets me excited actually in, in the late stages of day three is Zach Sealer from Ferris state. Um, so I think, I don't know if that's FCS or if that's division two, but, um, he, he's a freak. He's six, six, he's two eighty eight. He runs four, eight, three. And, um, he's just been, been dominating guys at, at his level of football, which is, is what you need to see from a player, you know, at, at the lower levels of college football. So if he doesn't get drafted, I'll be shocked. Um, and I would love to see him come in. He's a, he's a perfect body type again for that five tech spot. Um, and, and really what you could do with him is bring him in, let him play some special teams early on. Um, you, know, you could even try to stash him on the, the practice squad for a little bit while he, um, kind of comes into his own and, and really learns to, to adjust to the NFL. But, um, yeah, Zach Sealer is a name to watch. And then a couple of the guys that the Packers did meet with, uh, Mike Ramsey from Duke, he's sort of that three tech body that, uh, the Mike Daniels position. So he's a little shorter, a little squatter, but he's a really good athlete too. So just, it, it seems like all of these body types for, for the defensive line and then, you know, getting into linebacker positions, the guys that tend to fit what the Packers like to do just aren't there in the first couple of rounds. Um, linebacker is is funny because i'm very much a proponent of you know inside linebackers are are relatively replaceable unless you find somebody who's really special um and there are a couple of those i mean tremaine edmonds and roquan smith they're they're they look like special players at least uh on paper um but I still, when there's so many other needs in this team, I can't talk myself into really being excited about either one of those guys if there's an ability to go up and get a guy like Denzel Ward. So, again, with, with linebacker, there's a whole bunch of guys between round four and, and probably into free agency that, um, that have the quickness the, the Packers look for. And, and there's different body types, too. So if they want the, the kind of more lean, slender, really quick, um, almost – safety body you know they could go for a guy like Oren Burks from Vanderbilt who they brought in for a visit they could get a guy um let's see Quentin Poling is a guy from out of Ohio University but you know he's he's about 6'1 and 230 um 
you know, running in four six. So those bodies are out there. And then if they want more of the Jake Ryan's type, the the two hundred forty five pound six two guy, um, who can still move pretty well, they're out there as well. The Jason Cabinda's from Penn State, um, the Zaire Franklin's from Syracuse, the the Christian Sam from Arizona State. So I, I just think with the needs on the roster. Um, I mean, defensive line is one of the strongest positions right now. And just with the scarcity of, of linebackers in the early going, I think the Packers are, are far better off just waiting until day three to address those positions. I think that uh, Justice Mosqueda on, on this very program, if memory serves, referred to linebackers as trained pigs, <laughs> <laughs> which I think was just his way of saying, like, the, yeah, like like you like you were saying, most of them are replacement level guys. And, and, um, and it kind of seems like, uh, historically, that's what Ted Thompson, at least, thought, uh, as far as the amount of value. Outside that he, of AJ Hawk. Outside of AJ Hawk. Well, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe he felt burned and that forever changed yeah. his outlook. I mean, just on the topic of linebackers, my nightmare scenario is that the Packers stay at fourteen and pick Leighton Vander Esch. Like to me, that's the completely unacceptable, plausible outcome. I mean, my my position is, you know, Blake Martinez is a good Mike linebacker. Um, as far as you know, he, he he does a good job stepping up and defending the run. He can cover a little bit enough to get by. Um, and I would love to see Josh Jones be a full time weak side linebacker. Yeah. Like at, at this point, I mean, that's where he was by far at his best last year was when he was down in the box. He was playing linebacker. He was able to just read and react, and. Um, you know, and, and, and instinctually flow to the football. Whereas, you know, once you dropped him back into the, the safety spot, that's when he really seemed to struggle. So I would, that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm on board with Derwin James or, or Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, in round one as well, is I yeah. think if, if, if one of those guys is drafted, then you, you have Josh Jones pretty much as your, your starting will linebacker and you can play him there a hundred percent of the time. And I think that's where he fits the best and where he's likely to succeed the most. Yeah the kind of money backer yeah yeah the mark baron role the the Dion buchanan role i mean he's he's bigger and faster than Dion buchanan um mm-hmm. and and i think he's he's about the same size and he's a little bigger than mark baron and those guys and buchanan especially have have had some some pretty good success in that in that area so i don't see any reason why he couldn't couldn't do the same thing Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports there's no better time to join my bookie than today go to my bookie to open an account and start winning use promo code champion when you register for your account and get a 100 percent sign up bonus up to one thousand dollars on your first deposit bet today visit my bookie's website or call 844-866-2387 that's 844-866-2387 check them out today and use promo code champion for a 100 percent bonus Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Why don't we move to, uh, I want to focus on one more uh, position group as a whole, and that is the the offensive line. Uh, they need a guard, they need depth and text uh, per your draft board projection series for the offensive line. You say that this year's offensive line group has quote layers. Um, I encourage everyone, of course, again to to go read that. But uh, can you elaborate on sort of what you mean by that, and and maybe give us some notable nuggets from your board? Yeah, definitely. And this year's classes, um, I, what I mean by the layers is there are guys who fit the Packers, um, their their trends just to a T. There's Brian O'Neill out of Pittsburgh, um, who I would not be surprised at all if he ends up being the pick at forty five. Because he's that that hyper athletic Jason Spriggs esque tackle, um, who you know you, you might be able to drop him down and play a little guard, but but he's you know he's he's super quick. He's got great quick feet, and um, you know he could be that guy for you to to step in and and you know pitch in for Brian Bulaga for a couple of games, and 
you know, maybe slide inside. Um, I think Justice mentioned Joe Noteboom from TCU. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, he he fits all the all the filters just as well. But then you've got a layer of guys who didn't do any of the agility testing. Um, a couple of the top players too. So Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame, Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, um, Martinez Rankin from Mississippi State. These are guys we don't even have numbers on for their their agility numbers, which is what the Packers tend to look to. So, so that's the little you know there, there's a layer there. And then you know one of the big questions that that I've got this year is how much is Gutekunst really going to prioritize? blindside tackle experience because we all know that that Ted Thompson really only looks for college left tackles even when he's looking for a guard and there are those guys in in this draft there's there's a couple you know who who were just a little off on some of the the timing uh, cutoffs but an Austin Corbett from Nevada is, is an example you know he played left tackle at Nevada he's he's pretty much looked at as a guard or center exclusively in the NFL right now um but but if they do decide that they're going to open themselves up to interior offensive linemen, then you've got a whole layer of of guards and centers who kind of fit what they what they like to do. And and Will Hernandez, Quentin Nelson, you know I don't think he'll be there. But so so you've really got these different groups, right? So you've got the tackles who fit, the tackles who are close but don't quite fit, um, and then you have these guards that you know we just don't really know if they're going to be under consideration or not. Um, and, and I think that's, that's one of the most fascinating things to me about this transition is, and I've talked with, with Owen Reese who who contributes at APC as well. Um, we, we talk about this on a fairly regular basis is, is trying to guess at at whether or not Gutekunst will ever actually draft a guard early. Um, and we just, you know, we don't have the answer to that yet, but I I think it's, it's at least worth looking at the guys who play interior positions, um, and and fit the the quickness that the Packers look for. And there's a handful of guys in the first round, and then um, there's a handful of guys that, that could be found a little bit later on uh, at, at that spot as well. I would be remiss uh, before as we as we kind of close down our our draft show here. Uh, would be remiss if I uh, didn't shout out uh, some of our Twitter listeners. I mentioned Joe at work um, sending in a question. I got another one here for you. Text at the APC pod is where you can find us on Twitter. And we heard from uh, at uh, Jay Pianaski. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, he asked if uh, if Landry's 2017 season is reflective of how his play will be when he is uh, dinged up. Is he like Clay Matthews that way? Great when he's 100%, but average uh, when he is 70 to 80%. Um, he's in optimal condition only 10% of the time. Is Davenport better in that respect there's a lot to unpack there but give it a try (laughs) yeah that's that's a really interesting question um i i i don't know that we know how to answer that just because we don't know the 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 injury that landry had last year was a significant one um i'm I'm trying to remember exactly what it was i want to say it was an ankle or a knee issue that that he fought through and and you know, he, he, he definitely, his, his tape was, was definitely very different last year from his 2016 when he was a, a truly dominant pass rusher. Um, and, and so much of that is just, you know, I, I think there's frustration there, certainly with, with clay, with Nick Perry, you know, always either missing games or showing up on the, on the injury report. Um, and, and looking, you know, again, looking like they're not a hundred percent. Um, with Landry, I, I do see just in his game, it's so much based on his speed and his bend. And so that's something that I think could be very dependent on, you know, maintaining, uh, you know, good health in the lower lower body. So if he has some lingering knee or hamstring or, or ankle issues, I think that could hurt him a little bit, whereas Davenport is, um, he's more capable of, you know, being that bull rush type of, type of edge rusher. Um, he's not so reliant on his speed. So from that perspective, um, you know, maybe Davenport would be able to, to be a little bit more effective through those types of injuries. I don't know if that really answers the question, but, um, you know, obviously we, we would hope that, you know, whoever gets drafted and comes into green Bay stays healthy for the, the vast majority of his career. So I'm, and I think at their, their ceilings, I think, um, Landry's capable of being the more disruptive guy and the ha- having the higher ceiling than Davenport. But um, with that said, 
Um, I, I think there's there's reasons to like both guys for you know in in different ways depending on what you're looking for. Yeah, I, I think I think Landry has, I think they have roughly the same ceiling, and and Landry has a has a much clearer floor for me in a in a good way. Um, like I, I don't think there's any way that Landry um, doesn't at least pan out as an average player, and I and I could see Davenport kind of not being able to put it all together. Low bust potential uh, for Landry. I, that's, that's the way I look at it. Um, I would probably. Yeah. I think I have Landry a little higher than I do Davenport. Um, I wouldn't be super upset with either. Um, I might be at fourteen just because of the way the team needs are. Um, but if they were to trade back, for example, um, and say pick up Josh Jackson, Josh, Robert Josh Jackson, uh, Josh <laughs> J- Jackson, and. Uh, and maybe Davenport, like I would be, that would be an okay trade back scenario for me. Um, but yeah, I, I think I like, I think it's a little unfair to say that a guy who still got, you know, five sacks and two pass breakups and, uh, you know, a fair amount of tackles for loss in a, in a game, in a season that he played with ankle injuries and only played nine games. Like if that's, if that's your floor, that's pretty good. Like I'm not going to kick that out of bed. <laughs> I love that phrase. All right, closing thoughts here. Uh Tex, is there uh any do you have any uh any draft hot take you want to get off your chest or, or perhaps a crush that we haven't mentioned? Uh some parting words here for the listeners. One uh, I'll give you a couple of names that I am I'm crushing on right now. Um the first one is a, a perfect name for Wisconsin. It's Gerhard DeBeer, the offensive tackle out of Arizona. Yeah, Gerhard. Um, yeah, uh, he's actually what he's South he's African. South African isn't yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, he Oops. he's probably. <laughs> I withdraw my but, fake German accent. But he's probably a day three guy. But um, you know, I uh, I think he came to Arizona on a track scholarship. He was a discus thrower, and the the football coach saw him and he said, "All right, well, I need you to try out for the football team." And now he's you know potentially a, a draftable offensive tackle. Um, so that's a guy to to keep in mind. Oh, and just just because I, I love the the possibility of of somebody from this school, there's a receiver named Vincent Smith out of Limestone College, um, who fits the Packers trends, and you might see him, you know, maybe as a, a free agent or a, a rookie minicamp tryout kind of guy. But um, I I was entirely unaware that there was a Limestone College. What the hell is I'm, Limestone College? And and when I'm finding players from from limestone college um when i'm when i'm doing my last draft prep i think that means that i probably need to just sit the rest of it out and and wait till thursday night (laughs) time to go to bed (laughs) yep yeah so that's uh, i'll I'll leave it with that is that i think i need to be done scouting players and just stick to the board and and just wait for uh wait for thursday night to start because um yeah I, i once you get down to the limestone it's it's over Ben, same question to you. Uh, any any sort of uh, last hot take you want to get off your chest here or draft crush we haven't mentioned? Um, I think the Packers need to draft a tight end, and I think I want that to be in or around the third round. Um, hopefully Dallas Gator would be the name that I go for. But um, I just really don't want them to put off tight end again like they did last year. I think it hurt the team somewhat significantly this year. Um and, you know, if last year taught anything, it's that, you know, a big money free agent tight end won't fix all your problems. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you don't have anybody behind him. So uh, I would. Yeah. And I, I, I don't see, you know, letting Richard Rogers walk. I don't see them not drafting a tight end. But I uh, I also don't want it to be kind of like a throwaway name, you know, in the fifth or onward or something. Yeah. I, so I, if, if Dallas Gator drops and you can get who by most accounts should be tight end one, except he got injured in, you know, the second or third round. I'm totally okay with that. That was going to be my next, uh, my next question to you sort of asking out of ignorance. Do you think there's an actual possibility he lasts till the third round? Cause I've, I've heard his name mentioned as the tight end of this draft. He should be, but uh, I think for whatever reason, Hayden Hurst is like rocketing up everybody's boards. And I don't understand that at all. Um, I could see him going. I could see Mike Gesicki, uh, going ahead of him uh, after he had kind of an amazing combine. 
Um, and people like Mark Andrews, I don't really have an opinion. Um, but it's just one of those value things. Like, it's like if you get the potential kind of Gronk transformative tight end, um, you know, in the late second or early third round through trades or whatever, um, you do it. That's what I, and you know, I, I think there's, especially considering how much kind of there's a, a, a considering how the distribution of wide receivers is in this draft, um, I do think they need help on the offensive side of the ball in terms of uh, restocking the cabinet a bit at wide receiver and tight end. And, and I would, I think they might go heavier than expected early on, on that side of the ball. I will just say Dallas Goddard noted green Bay Packers fan. So we got that going for us. Yes. I mean, yeah, South Dakota skates South Dakota state. Um, Yeah. Like what's he's, he, he's kind of screams Packers type dude. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, well, you know what the music means. We're getting out of here. Um, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Tex. Thank you, listeners. Um, do you guys watch the draft? Do you actually watch the draft? I kind of follow it on Twitter. I'm not a TV I did watcher. last year because it was on at work. And so I'd, I'd like kind of be at a table and then like glance as the pick came in. And I don't know. I probably won't watch it tomorrow, but... When the Packers are on the board, I might watch it. Yeah. You're not tuning in to see a parrot call the Buccaneers pick? Is that actually happening? That's a thing that's happening. It's I think happening. That's a weekend like thing, a real though, I think. Parrot? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. That's happening Saturday. <laughs> what? Oh. They got to do something to get those numbers on the weekend. Doesn't somebody else have to say it first for the parrot to be able to say it? Yeah. That. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. Seems very weird. It yeah, seems I'm, weird. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I watch every minute of it, and, and not just because. Um, you're a sadist you know, i do i well there's that yeah that's that's part of it but you know i i've watched every minute of it for years now and and i just i would love to, for it to go back to the days when it was saturday and sunday just get it out of the way on two days of the weekend and and knock it out i remember yes. that waking up that saturday morning my dad traipsing down the stairs with the bob mcginn you know 100 from the newspaper ready to go got his notes and uh yeah we'd sit there camp out all weekend good times but um, I just like I hate I hate the long slow first round thing on a Thursday night yeah it drives me nuts yeah it's a, I, I feel tied to my phone as I follow it on Twitter and and I don't like that feeling at all I so. just want the names to go faster <laughs> like I don't need suspense I you, just want to know you hear that Roger we're gonna... talking directly to you make some changes out there <laughs> all right guys um, thank you for listening thank you for downloading give us a rating on iTunes all that fun stuff at the APC pod on Twitter, the APC podcast at gmail.com for your long-term complaints and or love letters for Ben Foldy and Tex Western and Alex Patakis. Why not? This is Zach Rapport signing off. Uh, let's go Gutekunst. Let's get us some players. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>